Podcast. My name is Brian Craig. I'm going to be your host today. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries. I'm here at our headquarters in Bentonville, Arkansas. And I'm pleased to have one of our global board members here with us today, Nate Sweeney. Welcome, Nate. Oh, thank you, Brian. And uh, Nate is a, uh, he's a pastor of a church here in Bentonville called Catalyst, and he's, he'll tell you a little bit about that in just a second. But uh, really wanted to get his perspective as a pastor on uh, the journey and how the journey has been integrated into his church and uh, just the benefits of that. Because uh, I think a lot of pastors out there, they, they get hit up with so many different programs and ideas. And, and uh, it may sometimes this could just be another thing, another program. So we want to talk a little bit about that. If you're a pastor out there listening, we want, want you to listen to a pastor's perspective on, on the journey. But uh, anyway, there might be something for anyone out there who's just trying to wonder what, what does discipleship look like? What does abiding look like? So, so Nate, I'm just going to uh, start out with just having you introduce yourself a little bit about and, and your background and, and how you came to be pastor at Catalyst and, and then uh, how your life intersected with the journey and what that did for your church nice. and you personally. Absolutely. Well, it's an honor and privilege to be here today. Um, I am... A directional leader in Catalyst Church in Bentonville uh, the past 10 years and uh, the founder and president of the Abiding Network uh, as well as a board member with influencers on the global side and those all intersect they all uh, kind of uh, partner together as far as the kingdom of God goes um, my story with influencers uh, hits a really it's kind of just a really cool background with what happened there uh, I've always been a discipleship guy never really uh, was a big uh, Sunday morning guy was just more kind of let's get people Sunday morning can be a great platform but let's get people to a smaller setting where we can really work through uh, the process of discipleship and so for years I tried to write stuff tried to find things uh, there was some good stuff out there um, but my journey um, in 2008 was was crossed paths with Rocky Fleming founder of influencers and we just we connected immediately our hearts knit and so um, we, hit, we, we hit it off individually more than we did on, uh, on the journey side, and then he introduced me to the journey through all that. And it was something just, I just saw immediately, this is the platform I was looking for. This was the delivery system. Um, and so I personally went through the journey myself, and then a few years later, um, in 2010, became lead pastor at Catalyst. And so uh, the heart of, of implementing the journey into our church at that time uh, became a passion because I had seen what it had done in my life. I had seen what it had done in uh, dozens of other men in my uh, direct influence. So in 2010, uh, we just set out as a leadership team to uh, do the journey uh, from front to back. Everything we did was gonna begin with the journey and then filter through the journey. And so in 2011, we launched multiple journey groups for our key leadership, uh, as well as anybody and anybody that wanted to do it. Uh, in about a six month process of time, we grew the church in half. And uh, looking back, it's, it's the funny joke of, you know, my claim to fame is, you know, the first six months of ministry literally grew the church in half and um, hundreds of people left. And uh, obviously I was young at the time. There was a lot of immaturity. There was a lot of change going on. Uh, and so some of that played into it. But really a lot of it was because we were taking people on a deep, intimate journey 
uh, with Christ. And so it wasn't just, hey, Sunday morning, come check your box for church. It wasn't just attend a class or go to a, a, a relational small group. It was we were tapping people on the shoulder and saying, we want to get you into proximity with Christ and take you on this year. For us, it was a year long. It was a little longer than nine months, but uh, we want to take you on this year long journey and just introduce you to these. Uh, really, it was more of a, a platform delivery system of how to have that relationship with Christ. And so for us, um, absolutely transformed the culture of our church. You know, as a pastor, and I work with, with pastors all the time through the Abiding Network, through influencers, um, you, you either create culture or culture becomes created. And so whether you know it or not, you have a culture in your church. And we wanted to have a culture of, of intimacy with Christ, of discipleship, of stewardship, of, of all these core values. And rather than trying to teach them and drive people towards them, we found out that if you just get people close to Christ, then these fruits come out. So instead of trying to create a culture of that, we got people close to Christ and the culture uh, creates itself in that sense because it's the fruits of the Holy Spirit, the fruits of abiding, what that looks like. So over a period of probably three to four years, I, all the numbers get fuzzy now, but hundreds of people we took through the journey, men and women, and uh, we saw lives absolutely transformed like, like we never had before on a, on a large corporate scale. So what we did a little different than some churches is we actually did the journey as, as our main thing. We, we got rid of a lot of our side ministries and we just did journey groups. Uh, as we grew and people discovered who they were in Christ, what he had called them to, there were a lot of entrepreneurial ministries that started out of that because through the journey you find out your spiritual gifts, you find out your calling. People started discovering those and then we would release them into ministry. So it was really a lot of homegrown ministries and now we have a large discipleship platform but the, the journey has been and will continue to be our platform. So uh, one of the other things that's so cool as a pastor is the culture that's created is a steady culture. Everybody has that same DNA. You don't have to worry about driving these cultural pieces because everybody's connected to the vine. Everybody has that unity of the Holy Spirit. So it's such a powerful piece. So here we are now uh, going into our seventh year and um, we've seen so many leaders reproduce. We see people that don't do a lot of ministry any longer within the local church. In our local church, they're at large corporations, Tyson or Walmart or J.B. Hunt or uh, stay-at-home moms doing journey groups in neighborhoods. And uh, it's just so awesome to see because uh, that's the church. You know, we, we're sending people out into their place of ministry. We're authenticating their ministry um, through what they've discovered through this journey process of discipleship. So it's just been a phenomenal journey. And so I could speak to 100 different angles of that, mm -hmm. but that's kind of the overarching view. Well, and, and you were talking about a, cu a common culture, almost like a language, yep. there, a, a DNA that everybody understands, mm -hmm. and, and a tool that's easily used by everybody, right? Yep. So that, that that's good. I want to go back for a second, the part when you said you grew the church in half. So so what do you think? Why, why do you think people left? I mean, what why, what do you think people are scared? Are they are they scared of that intimate relationship, or it sounds like too much of a commitment? What I mean, do, what are your opinions on that? I've had a lot of experience in those conversations, and and there's there's no criticism or judgment, right? But just experience. Uh -huh. uh, I remember a guy one time. Um, he pulled me aside, sweet sweet man, friend to this day, and he said, "I'll, I'll write a check. You tell me what what I need to do. I'll write you a check." But I'm not coming and committing more than a Sunday morning to this, you know, church thing. He said, I love Jesus. Jesus loves me. I'm saved. I know I'm saved. I have, you know, and, and that, that's just it. And it just broke my heart because 
he had his what we call get out of hell free card. He was he was looking at salvation as um, removing himself from the judgment of God, and one day he'll be in heaven with God instead of an invitation to a a long term relationship, an intimate relationship. I see that a lot, especially in Bentonville, where in the Bible Belt, you know, a lot of people that it's there's a very religious mindset, and so people. The, the, the word apathy, I think, comes to mind. You know, I love the, the pastor's scripture where Paul said in Ephesians, awake to righteousness and do not sin. And he was saying, wake up to who you are in Christ, your right standing, the person that God has created you to be, and then walk that out. You know, what does that look like in your life? And that's discipleship in my mind. And so I think for me, it goes back to when Jesus called, you know, people, there was, there was always excuses Mm-hmm. And the many are called, few are chosen. And I know, mm-hmm. you know we can speak to salvation. I'm not speaking to salvation. Some of that, uh, some people aren't saved, yes. But many people are just born again, and that's as far as they want to go. Um, Paul, in, in addressing this babes in Christ in First Corinthians 3 and, you know, Hebrews 5, talking about, well, we've got to lay a foundation again because, you know, we're not going past. You should be teaching others at this point. So I just feel like the biggest hurdle is just that apathy, you know, mm-hmm. that that piece of, well, I'm saved, and, and that's all that's required of me. So um, the other side of it is, I want to be careful how I say this, but I've watched, we prepare people for the journey. Like when we tell people, you're going to the journey, like get ready for your world to be shaking. Be ready for um, the pruning and the discipline and all of those things. And I think that does kind of scare people a little bit, um, even though on the other side of it, people say, oh my gosh, I couldn't see my life without this relationship, this intimacy, even though there were some things that had to be uh, pruned off or when the heat got turned up, some some sin in their life or some, you know, hurts, habits, hangups and things. So I think a lot of people are just afraid to confront some of those things. Mm. Um, the time commitments, I, I feel like those are secondary issues. I feel like people will, anybody can do anything, right? Yeah. We live in a free country. You can do anything, you can't do everything. And so when people choose their week and they lay out, you know, there are however many hours in a week. To me, the time commitment is a secondary um, issue to what's really going on in your heart. Because if people want to do stuff, they take vacations, people go to football games, people watch, you know, the Netflix marathons, you know, we don't miss our, our media thing. So, so to me, it's just you're choosing one thing over the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's just got to get to the heart of that, what that looks like. And, you know, so, so you were... Uh... I mean, that would be unsettling to any pastor when you feel like a lot of people are leaving and yeah. all that, but you stuck it out and you were faithful sure. and, and you've already said you're seeing benefits of that in, in people taking ownership of and making disciples on their own. Yeah. Are there any other benefits as a pastor to your congregation that you see from from sticking with the journey and, and making yeah. disciples and all that? What Give me some, give a pastor well, some absolutely. examples. I think uh, speaking to pastors, one thing I see a lot with pastors is kind of the shoot from the hip, kind of the, I'm going to do something because it's the beginning of the year and I've read this book and we're going to do a six month, you know, 10 steps to a better you. Or I went to a conference and we want to do some things. And, and so there's, there's this excitement and this zeal, but, but it's, it's quickly lost because it's constantly revolving. And I think with discipleship, you have to commit to a long term. You you have to say, I'm going to do this. uh, I tell pastors five years minimum is really changing a culture so getting that, implementing that, well, whatever you choose to do, the journey to me is the number one in my opinion, but it's going to take time and it's an investment. Discipleship is messy and it's dirty. And you, one man from a pulpit preaching can't disciple hundreds of people, and so most pastors aren't equipped to do that. You know, I can preach once a week, hundreds of people can gather, and we've done church, but you can't disciple that way. Discipleship takes 
you know, one-on-one -on -one or one-on-five or what that looks like. So um, there's all these, I think, scary um, uh, pieces to the equation. With, with discipleship, what I've noticed, if you disciple one or two or five, you may get one or two out of those that actually get it and reproduce. But you do that for a year and then two years and five years. Before you know it, you have 15 or 20 key people who are living out in intimacy with Christ. They know their gifts. They know their coins. They're, they're active in ministry. You're all speaking the same DNA. You all have the same heart with the ministry. And so it starts to go from addition to multiplication at some point. And I think that's what we've seen over the years is just watching how many people that have been extremely transformed by the journey have now helped helped now uh, transform our culture at Catalyst Church. So some of the benefits, uh, like we, we've probably had, I can, I can name three guys in the journey who came to journey groups and said, I haven't been tithing to the local body, and the Lord has, has put his finger on that place on my heart. And we would joke with them and say, the journey doesn't even talk about tithing. What, what do you mean? And they said, well, when I was journaling and praying, when I got along with Christ, one of the issues in my life is I, I have an addiction to money, or I have a, a, a habit of money is kind of my thing. So the Lord's showing me I have to start tithing. So, you know, we can beat people over the head with religion and rules, or we can let the Holy Spirit do His work. Mm -hmm. We've had people, we've had marriages completely restored. We have, you know, parents uh, that come and say, our kids, you know, told our dad the other day, you know, Dad, you're not mean anymore. What's different? What's, he wasn't an abusive man. He was just uh, living as a frustrated man in life because of work and the corporate environment, and he took it out on his family. Not mm -hmm. abusive, just, you know, an angry man living with frustration, and he took it out. Well, that's all changed because he's connected to the vine. So I would say all of those pieces, the greatest fruit, and I tell pastors all the time, is stewardship. When you get a man in proximity or a woman in proximity to Christ, they recognize there's a sacred responsibility with my life, that my life is not my own, and that I have a role to play. And so that sacred responsibility is you don't have to beg people to serve in the local body. You don't have to beg people to go out and evangelize. I feel like, and I've said this for years, and people kind of look at me funny, but evangelism will take care of itself if we disciple people. Because if we do these evangelistic campaigns, we get all these newborns, but we don't disciple them, that, that's 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 paramount to child abuse, right? Because you're, you're, you're leaving them on the operating table. They just were born again, but we don't walk them through you know, childhood and adolescence and into spiritual maternity. But if you will disciple people, we have people in our church that go out that never would consider themselves evangelists, but they're sharing their faith all the time in their sphere of influence because they've been discipled. They know the sacred responsibility. So uh, there's all of those pieces. The last, not the last, but the, the, the other one that speaks to me is... Probably the number one need that I hear from pastors, and, and I've worked with hundreds of pastors over the last five years, is I don't have leaders in my church. You know, you have all these leaders. I wish God would send leaders to my church like He like He's brought at your church. And, and we just smile and say, God hasn't brought leaders to our church. He's brought broken people. He's brought lost people. He's brought people that, you know, weren't even saved, and we've discipled them. And and out of that process, the leadership has risen to the top. And so if you want leaders in your church, you have to raise them up. You have to develop them. There's no, no greater platform, in my opinion, than the journey. Mm. Because you start with intimacy, the vertically driven, and then out of that comes the, the horizontal. You start with the why and all the what's and the how's. That all takes care of itself. And so uh, I just feel like you know, those are some of the greatest fruits, the stewardship, you know, the um, Leadership reproduction, that piece. And the other piece to leadership reproduction, like currently we have a teaching team from, for our Sunday morning. We have multiple teaching teams, but our Sunday morning there's seven people. We're all unified. Like anybody that gets up to teach 
on a Sunday morning, you're going to hear journey principles. You're going to hear the same DNA. So people relate. People have this, like you said earlier, the common language. Mm -hmm. And so you're not having to sell multiple visions because that's division. There's just one vision. We want to really get you in proximity with Christ. Mm. So again, I think that's a lot of the fruits of what we're seeing. Yeah, I had I heard a, a pastor of a of a mega church in Tulsa tell me that he said he said some of my best guys are my journey guys, and and I think what he was seeing is that these guys what you just said these guys are the go to guys. Yep, they will step up. They you know they're selfless. You know they they're there when yep. you need them and all that. So uh, he seen he was just speaking to the fruit. I think you know so and he didn't even embrace it as a as you've done. You yep. know and so. Um, so I was a business guy and I've led several groups and, and I'm like many guys, you get so passionate about this and go, this is so great, yeah. you know, and, and I, I would never lead a journey. I would never not lead a journey group because it's so, so such a life transforming thing. And then guys like me will take it to their pastor, to the church, and they don't, it doesn't get embraced enthusiastically by the pastor. And then they get, their spirits get down, mm-hmm. you know, and and they, there's a, they feel like there's a conflict there. Like, you know, oh, I guess we're just supposed to do this in the marketplace, not in my church. So speak to, maybe instead of speaking to pastors, speak to guys like me who are business yeah. guys who really want to see the journey take root in their church and all that, and they get discouraged sometimes. First of all, help them understand the view of a pastor, yeah. why, maybe why a pastor isn't as enthusiastic about it, you know, what you might think. And then and what would you say to those guys? Uh, to the pastors first, and, and this is one of those things that it breaks my heart. It honestly does. I, I, if we go back further in my story, I I left the church for many years. I hated the church. I, those I don't use that word lightly. I I despised what the local church was. I loved God, loved Jesus, but I just hated what the church had become. It had become very territorial. It had become very divisive, very religious. Um, not about the big kingdom, the big K, but my little group of people. And so uh, the Lord really has healed me of all that and brought me back to show me that, you know, the church is the hope of the world and we're called to be. It's not a building. It's us. It's the people. Um, and so if you will be a kingdom minded pastor, you will see uh, the benefits of empowering people into their gifts. So from a pastor's perspective, if you come to my church, Brian, and you go through this process and you discover all these gifts and callings, the traditional pastor will say, hey, Brian, we need help in men's ministry. Hey, Brian, we need help in children's. We, hey, there's a spot over here, and we try, to, we try to put the round pegs in the square holes based on our need instead of saying, Brian, you've got things inside of you that God's given you. We want to draw those out of you and then release you unto those, whether it's in our house or whether it's outside, because the kingdom's the kingdom. And so I really despise that word parachurch. We get that all the time. Well, that's a parachurch, and this is, come on, really? We're all the church. And so from a pastor's perspective, if that's the mindset, then that needs to be broken. And from the guy who's sitting in the, in the pew or sitting in the chair who's passionate and seeing life transformation, um, I, I think that's just there, there's a, a coming to terms with what that's going to look like in your life. Because obviously you want to honor your local church. You want to honor the pastor. You want to honor the leadership. And um, I think it's just, I don't even know if I should really go here, but it's confusing to me how I've, I've talked with pastors who have had a couple of journey groups or guys from their church, like you said, who go into it, and they see life transformation, and yet they don't want to, they don't want to make the journey more of a, of, a, of a main piece to their church because, well, our denomination didn't really create that. We've got to use our own places and people well you know that's not really under our vision and if we send them out you know they can go do that out where they're at but really the ministry needs to take place here and and there's there's almost this fear or insecurity and i don't know where that comes from 
Um, but what we've seen, and I can only speak to what we've seen, not just at Catalyst, but in these dozens of other churches we've worked with, um, more than dozens, I mean hundreds over the years, is when we empower people into their giftings, the kingdom is lifted up, God is glorified. And I said that earlier, we've got guys now who are very influential in our local body doing ministry, and God tapped them on the shoulder through the journey and said, hey, you're a marketplace guy. You, you're, you're spending the majority of your life at one of these you know, Fortune 500 corporations. There's dozens of people every day that, that cross your path that need this journey. And so they felt the call, and we, instead of saying, well, you go do that, and when, when you're ready to do ministry, come back to the church. No, we fully we, we support them financially. We support them with prayer. We support them with training and whatever they need. I've gone and spoke to a lot of these different groups to, to get them help started, but these guys are, are living out their passions. And girls, there's many uh, uh, doing it in the corporate environment. And so to that person... It's just a hard one because you want the backing and support of your local body, but really, ultimately, you're, you're called to God first and to your gifts and your callings, and ultimately, you want to use those for the glory of God. So, so there shouldn't be this divisiveness, but somewhere there is. Um, I think if you feel passionate and excited, as long as you've got that relationship with your leaders that you say, this is what we're doing, you know, whether, whether they make it a staple in the church or not, you've got to go and do that because it's ministry. It's validating your marketplace ministry. Or like I said, we got stay-at-home moms who <laughs> they'll tell you, man, for years I was just frustrated because I just felt like here I am just doing what I'm doing. And, and we say, you, you have the most precious gift. You, you get to invest in disciple the most vulnerable among us and the most susceptible. They're open to these things even now at this early stage in their life. And so instead of saying, you're just a stay-at-home mom loving on kids, you can inject the DNA of the kingdom and intimacy and abiding in Christ and what that looks like at this early age. And man, it changes their whole outlook. Wow, I'm doing ministry right now rather than, well, I, I go serve on Sunday and do ministry. No, this is your ministry. Mm-hmm. And so what we've seen is more people doing more. Yeah. And, and that the other piece of that is it's passion. You're not cramming them into a, a role. It's passion. It's, it's allowing them to do what they're supposed to do rather than uh, fitting a need of what the church has. Well, you know, um, I, I had a guy who's a, on staff at a, at a large church in this area, and he, just the other day he asked me, what, so what is influencers' position on the church? And, and it was a curious question to me because I didn't know what he was talking about at first. But I think what he was speaking to is that we were we always – kind of claim that we were a marketplace ministry in the early days that uh, guys would just or girls would start journey groups and they would just invite people who God put on their heart some of those people went to their church some of them worked with them some of people were neighbors or whatever so they were just kind of but it was never part of a church programming Mm -hmm. or whatever Um, and you know over time we've seen now that churches are starting to say hey this might be a valid tool that we could use and so it's gone to this next level of churches trying to adopt it i guess or whatever but you're on our board and Mm -hmm. so i think it's important for pastors out there to understand you know how much influencers wants to come alongside the church we don't want this to be adversarial in any way you know and we don't we're just here to help you know and we're not here to judge if if they don't want to use the journey Mm -hmm. as their discipleship tool as a matter of fact rocky always says hey i don't care what you do as long as if it has proximity with Christ yeah. as the centerpiece of go. it, it'll work. You know, uh-huh. you don't have to use our curriculum if you don't want. You know, but what's your observation of influencers, the ministry, the partnership with churches? Yeah, absolutely. I love those conversations. And if you're not in church leadership, this conversation really is a conundrum because the average Joe that I talk to, 
that's never been in church leadership who thinks that all I do all all week is pray and drink coffee, right? And uh, th- there's just no context there. And so they're looking at you, going, "Why would churches not embrace this? Why? It makes no sense." And then you got so speaking to the pastor's side, I can't tell you when we sit around as a board and we celebrate what God's doing on a global scale through this ministry. And it, it's not just coming alongside churches, it's we are the church. Mm-hmm. Influencers is the church. And again, it just, I don't know where at some point it got convoluted to where it's got to be these four walls and these business walls and these home walls. And I mean, we're all the church. And I do believe in the authority structure of the local body, church governance, elders. I believe in all of that stuff, being submitted to a local body. But every one of our board is is living that out in their church context. And the thing is, a journey guy who gets it is going to be so connected and committed and loyal and faithful to their local body, it, it drives people closer to, to Christ in the local body, not just the vertical relationship with them individually, but they see the sacred call to the, to the local body. So speaking to pastors and churches, I mean, influencers is here to serve. I have watched influencers give resources and, and send people to train, and myself included. We go and we, we, we just want to undergird what the local church is doing um, on a small, small scale or on a large scale, whatever that looks like. I've seen influencers give up a lot of time, treasure, and talent to the local body uh, just trying to say, we're here to serve you. So here's, like you said earlier, here's one platform or delivery system that we know works. We've seen it work. It's a Holy Spirit thing. We're not, we're not, we're not trying to own this thing. It's just something we've seen God use. And we're here to give it to you, you know, freely we've received, we freely give. And so I hope you hear the passion of my voice because influencers, I've never once seen a, a struggle um, with trying to become something or, or pull from the local body rather than in, invest into the local body. That's what influencers is really all about. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I've told people many times that uh, if we were using our business st- strategy hats or whatever, we would... We'd go try to do market studies at the largest churches in the largest cities, and we'd go try to get appointments with the senior yeah. pastors. I'd bring my briefcase in and do a dog and pony <laughs> show, and we'd try to sell them on the journey. Yeah, exactly. So I don't want anyone to think we're trying to sell them on the journey. Yeah. We're just trying to say there's something God anointed here that God's yeah. given. It came to this obscure man from Mississippi. Yeah. But it happens to really work, mm-hmm. and it's a blessing when churches allow it to happen. However, it happens, it can be part of your programming or just on the side. Whatever, yeah. however, it happens, it's beneficial, you know. Yeah. And I, to your point earlier, I've seen some a church in Tulsa. Uh, they embraced the journey for their couples mm-hmm. in, the, in the couples version of it, kind of as a community group, and they didn't care if the people went to their church or yeah. not. And they even let them use their free child care. Nice. Well, guess what? All those people in that group ended up going to that church. You know, so it ended up blessing the yeah. church back. You know, <laughs> yeah. So it can all work together, yeah. I think. You know. Well, and one more point to to what you just said is I've noticed over the years. Um, how do I want to word this? It, it's not a magic formula, right? But we have watched marriages totally be restored to where you want to talk about a pastor's role of hours on end of counseling and care and all that. We've seen that completely go down to a very small amount because either, number one, people in the body are ministering one to another, and the pastors just get to connect the head to the body, equip the saints to do the work of the ministry rather than trying to do all the work and be all things all people. We've watched counseling hours go down. We've watched, um, there's situations where a lot of our, there would be a situation where someone gets taken to the hospital. Our catalyst group leader or a journey leader will go to the hospital, pray with them, love on them, get a meal train set up, and then call the pastor and say, hey, by the way, 
we just cared for this individual. Here's what's going on if you want to follow up. And the pastors look at that and say, that's not normal. Normal believers don't do that. that but they've been ingrained with the, the DNA of the vertically driven relationship. And so they're walking out their gifts and their callings, and the pastors get to manage and get to shepherd, um, really shepherds, if, if that makes sense. And so we're calling people in the body to more of an accountability, to to be what God's called you to be. And so uh, I, I'm not saying your job gets easier, but it just is different. As a pastor that really embraces the journey, you get to, you get to be a coach, you get to be a cheerleader, you get to really watch people uh, become who God's created them to be. It, it's the greatest thing in the world. You get to um, teach people how to self-feed to where they're not coming to you to all, for all the answers. That you're, you're sending them back to the, to the prayer chamber and you're saying, okay, what did the Holy Spirit speak? I can give you 10 different answers, but what is the Lord speaking to you? So even those, those biblical advisement conversations, they, they completely change when the culture of your church changes through the vertically driven you know, journey process. Yeah, and I know there's a lot of things we could talk about, yeah. about how the journey fits into a church and the church culture, they're all different, and, and how do you reach the people that are not ready for the journey, maybe, yeah. and, you know, events. Yeah, and sure, there's, there's a whole a lot of things we could talk about, but um, I want people out there to know that you're a resource yeah. for pastors, right? I mean, that, that's one, one thing we love about having you on the board yeah. is that... Um, when pastors want to know about this stuff, they'd rather talk to a pastor mm-hmm. a lot of times than, than one of us. Yeah. So tell people how to get in touch with you and, and how you can help if they're a pastor out there listening yeah. to this. Well, uh, in the last five years, I've, I've mentored or coached or met with over 400 pastors, elder teams, uh, boards. Uh, and so it's something that I, I thrive in. I think it's something the Lord's gifted me in. And so uh, through the Abiding Network, so going to a, a www.abidingnetwork.com, there's all kinds of information on there, and you can contact me through that. But really, our whole heart there is to help um, leaders create environments or platforms of discipleship uh, to, know, to have their followers know Christ and make them known. So we're not trying to sell you um, a way of doing things. We're trying to help you fulfill, even like I said earlier about the individual, as a pastor, as a church, what is your culture? What is your DNA? What does that look like? We can help you strategize and put things in place to process that. So uh, I'm, I'm at the disposal of anybody that wants to, you know, to reach out for that, just go to that website. And I think it'd be good maybe to link it on the on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. And, and you also were encouraged to write a book kind of mm-hmm. about your experience. Tell real quick. Tell yeah, The Abiding that. Church, uh, that book is is really a, a kind of a story of the journey, uh, my journey in all of that. Influencers mm-hmm. is interwoven all throughout that, the, the journey process. So yeah, there's a book called The Abiding Church. If anybody's interested in that, you can get that on the website as well. And it really speaks to the leadership side from the um, uh, the pastor's perspective and what that can look like. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, we'll uh, yeah we'll make sure we have a link on our website to Absolutely. to hook people up with you and and all that. So that again, that's Nate Sweeney, and he's one of our board members, and uh, he's been very helpful with. Uh, there's been some churches even out. We have a lot of journey groups out in California, and those guys have referred people to to you, Nate, and and even people have found us through your network, and then came came around and. One to learn how to start journey groups and all that. So it all works together. So anyway, well, I hope it's been helpful for you all to, to hear a pastor's per- perspective on the journey and and what it can do for, for a church and, and for people in your church. But I, I totally agree with what Nate said is we're all part of one kingdom. And uh, that's what Influence is all about. So anyway, well, we hope this has been helpful for you. This is our Influencers Network podcast. And uh, again, if you are want to ask a question that, that we might address on a future podcast, you can send us an email at podcast questions at influencers.org. But I'm Brian Craig. I'm executive director for Influencers Global Ministries, encouraging you to abide in Christ and to go make disciples. God bless you today.